guys and welcome back to another episode of Keeping It Real with Kylie. So on this episode I'm going to discuss hormone replacement therapy because um, obviously I'm transgender so I've been on hormone replacement therapy for five years now. So I just want to talk about my experience with you guys um, going on hormones, how to get on, like how I got on them. And then um, the changes and stuff that I've seen since being on them, what type of hormones that I take, stuff like that. So we're going to just run through all of that on this episode. So let me just start with um, when I went to go get on hormones. So at the time, it was 2016, when I decided I wanted to medically transition because I just was not happy. And... I went to my family doctor at the time and I said that I wasn't happy, that I needed um, to go on hormone therapy because I told the doctor at the time, you know, I'm transgender. So, and at the time, the doctor that I had never experienced anybody that was trans because I grew up in a small town. So they had no experience with any of that. And they almost seemed like trying to like I guess uh discourage me they were like I remember comments were made about oh you know that like you know the government doesn't pay for any of this stuff and whatever and um not that I gave a shit about any of that um so it actually took me a really long time to get on hormones from that point because it was November 2016 when I wanted to go on hormones and it shouldn't have took me, I didn't start hormones until December 2017, but it honestly shouldn't have took, to even taken me that long. Um, I would say that that's an abnormally long time to wait. And I don't really give a shit what anybody in the healthcare industry says about like waiting for referrals or whatever or bullshit. Um, no, it, there's, there's no excuse for making somebody wait that long. Um... So basically what happened was I went in November 2016, said I want to be on hormones. Nothing, nothing had happened. Nothing, whatever. Like, uh, contacted doctor again and in February of 2017 and was like, what the hell is going on? Like, I, and they were like, the doctor at the time was like, oh, I, I didn't know um, where to send you. So you can just pick a spot. And I'm thinking to myself, like, I don't know where to go. Like, that's why I'm coming to you. You're my family doctor. So it was like, um, I contacted the Transgender Health Network in New Brunswick, and they let me know of a doctor that is closest to me that works with trans people. And this person is actually an endocrinologist, so um, which means basically a hormone doctor. So they're the type of person that you really want to see if you're going to go on hormone therapy because they specialize in people's hormones. So I went back to the doctor, my family doctor's office at the time, and I was like, um, this is the person that I want to go to. I heard that this is the spot to go. Um, and nothing occurred. I waited I think a couple more weeks, nothing happened, blasted my family doctor on Facebook to say, you know, like nothing's being done about this. Then magically their office contacted me that day and was like, okay, here we go. Um, remove your post. Um, we're going to send in the referral that we were supposed to send for you. Came back and I guess this endocrinologist prefers if people um, see a psychiatrist first. So she recommended a psychiatrist that works with trans people just to make sure that I actually have gender dysphoria. And um, I got the referral to that um, psychiatrist, um, which is located out of Moncton, New Brunswick. And then I had two sessions with the, that psychiatrist. One was in July of 2017, and then one was in October of 2017. And I think that was the hard, like the longest part was like getting into the psychiatrist and having those um, sessions because that was the part that took the longest. And I actually thought that I was going to get the referral in July when I was there. 
for the endocrinologist. But for whatever reason, the psychiatrist made me come back for another session in October to just clarify some more stuff. And I had to talk about so much stuff, you guys. Like, I had to talk about, like, how I see myself, my childhood, um, so many things. And I will just say, up until this point, the entire process felt super dehumanizing. Like, it felt like I had barrier after barrier after barrier in my way, and, like, nobody was really, like, getting down to the nitty-gritty of, like, even helping. Like, they were almost, like, wanting to make sure that I'm trans or whatever. Like, it was almost like they were gatekeeping what trans is. And I don't know. I just didn't like that. I didn't like that feeling. Um, That was probably the most uncomfortable part of the entire process. Um, But then now that I'm on hormones and now that it's been so many years, like, it's so effortless. Like, now it's so easy. Like, when I go see the psychiatrist um, and I see my endocrinologist, like, it's always like, how is everything going? Like, are you having any bad symptoms? Like, are you still happy with everything that's going on? And here's the thing. They don't ever push you to have surgeries. They don't ever tell you to have surgery. They don't force you to do anything. They just want to make sure that what they're doing, you're happy, you're healthy, and you're comfortable. And that's perfect. Like that's, I agree with a hundred percent with that. Um, and I've had no problems since, so I'm lucky. Um, yeah, so that was my process on getting on hormones. So I started hormones in December of 2017. Um, and I started on at first it was, uh, a hundred or no, sorry, it was 50, um, 50 milligrams of um, estrogen a day. So let, let me just run through with what I take. So at the beginning, um, I started on the Clamera patch. So you can take estrogen multiple ways. Like you can take it via needle. You can take it through the cream. You can take it through patch. You can take it through pill. Um, and I think those are mostly the only options. Now, here's the thing. I don't recommend the cream enough that I've ever been on it, but I don't recommend it just because it's really hard to tell if you're giving yourself enough with cream because you have to like actually like put it on your body like it's a lotion. Um, I don't recommend pills because I feel like they just go through your liver and you're losing most of the estrogen. Uh, and the needle, um, I have never been on it, but I, from my understanding, it's higher risk of having blood clots with the needle. So um, that is why ultimately I went with the patch and my endocrinologist who has, has years of um, education in this recommended the patch because um, you're just getting more of a constant um, release of estrogen and it's not like too much estrogen in your system all at once. So I started off on the 50 milligram a day patch and it was really just a once a week patch. So I had to keep that patch on my skin once a week. Like I had to keep it on. So I always have a patch on my skin, basically. I'll have a patch on my skin for the rest of my life, by the way. Um, but then the Clamera stopped... Um, they stopped doing the 100 patch because after six months on the 50 milligrams, I was bumped to the 100 milligram estrogen patch and Clamera stopped making that type of patch. So um, I actually started to go to the company is called Estradot. And I love that this, I actually like this patch more than Clamera. So, um, the Estradot patch is a twice a week patch. So I put one patch on on Sunday and one on Wednesday. And basically the Estradot patch, the reason it's called Estradot is because it's a really small patch. So it's smaller than the Clamera patches and it's actually smaller than 
the no-name, I guess, like generic brand. The generic patches are huge. You could cut it in two, and it's still not going to be as small as the Estradot patch. And you're getting the same amount of me medicine, or it has no medicine. I mean, you're getting the same amount of estrogen in um, the Estradot patch as the big generic brand patches. So I go with the Estradot one because they're smaller. They're way easier to keep on your body. Um, because I'm a bath type of girl. Like, I love taking baths. So here's the thing. It always told me to put my estrogen patch right under, like, the belly button area. Like, kind of, like, on my pelvic area. Um, you would put it, like, on either side. And then you switch from side to side. That or your ass cheek. Those were the spots that it told me to put it. I actually put them right on my um, forearm, like where you would get like a needle if you were getting like a vaccine and stuff. I actually just put it on my forearm because I'm a person that likes to take baths and I like to like obviously sit in the water, soak and stuff like that. And I just find it's, it's easier like if I'm going swimming or whatever to have it on that area because that area doesn't get as wet as like obviously, you know below the waist when you're in a pool or a jacuzzi or in the bath or whatever. So it's easier to keep on. Now, I don't just put on the patch. When I put on the patch, I actually use um, Tegaderms, medical Tegaderms that they use in hospitals. I buy them in bulk of a pack of 100, and I put that over the patch. So um, when I go to put my patch on, I use um, alcohol to wipe the area, put my patch on, and then I put my Tegaderm over top of that. Now, I will say when I first started the estrogen patches, um, I would start to get like rashes in the areas that I was putting them. But I guess that's common until your body gets kind of like used to it. Plus, some people are allergic to the glue that's actually on the patches. So you just have to be careful. And if uh, patches don't work for you, you can always switch to like, you know, pills or um, the gel. But I recommend the patch to any, any trans girl. Because, um, I'll tell you why. I've had, um, best breast development on the patch. And I know people that were on the pills and other things and their breast development, and they were, they're like in their fifties and their breast development was like nothing. Like they were flat chested and I told them to switch the patch. And as soon as they switched the patch, they started growing breasts. So I think that with the estrogen patch, you're getting a more consistent, um, like, I guess, dose of estrogen than other forms. The reason um, needle the needle is consistent too, it's just with the needle, you have to, you're, you're giving yourself way too much estrogen and it weans over time. And I just don't see how that's healthy for your body. So... What am I on? Because I, I asked you guys to ask me questions and you guys want to know what I'm on. So I'm on estrogen. I'm on the Estradot 100 patches. So on Sunday and Wednesday, I put one of these on, okay? So that's the female hormone, if you call it. Everybody has estrogen and testosterone, by the way. Like, it doesn't matter if you're a guy or girl. Um, you have estrogen and testosterone. It's just what level of H do you have? Because if you have more testosterone than estrogen... Your, your body and stuff is going to be more masculine in, in stereotypes and characteristics. And if you have more estrogen than testosterone, it's going to be more feminine. So the whole point of hormone therapy is to trigger physical changes that help better align with our gender. So I'm a girl and I was born trans. So for me, I needed to fix my hormones because obviously my hormones were stereotypical. You could call them male hormones. So I didn't produce enough estrogen to, you know, have the feminizing effects that most girls do because they're born that way. So because I was born trans, that's why I'm on hormone therapy. Now, not every trans person wants to go on hormone therapy and that's perfectly fine. Um, we'll get into that later in the episode, but so I take my estrogen. Now, what I take as a blocker, the blockers can be different for everybody, but um, I take spironolactone. 
and I was on 50 milligrams to begin with, but now I'm on 100 milligrams and I just take one pill a day and that blocker blocks your testosterone. So that's all it does. It just blocks your testosterone. And it is a little bit of a diuretic. So, I mean, when you do take spironolactone, um, you do pee more frequently than you would before. But honestly, I've been on it for five years. And I don't really see much of a difference um, than that. But what else I was on was finasteride. So finasteride, uh, I take five milligrams of that a day. Now... Here's the thing with finasteride. You don't actually have to be on finasteride um, as part of your hormone therapy regime. But if you're a trans girl that suffered with like hair thinning and hair, uh, like male pattern baldness, they call it, um, then finasteride is a good option because what causes male pattern baldness is when testosterone gets converted to DHT, which is a form of testosterone that will attack your hair follicles. And that's what causes male pattern baldness. Now, that can happen in cis women. And by cis, I mean women that were born women, you know? Like, they weren't born trans. They were just, they were born women. They identify as women and whatever. They're not trans. They don't take hormone therapy. That can still, I know they call it male pattern baldness, but it, it can happen to anybody. Um, so finasteride, if you're even just a guy that's losing his hair, but doesn't obviously want to go on hormone therapy because you're not a girl, you can still take finasteride and it's not going to affect your testosterone. What finasteride stops is your testosterone being converted to DHT by your body. And DHT is the bad testosterone that actually causes your hair loss. So I not only am on a blocker for testosterone, but because I'm still producing a very tiny amount, I'm also on finasteride because I don't want any of it to be converted to DHT, which will cause more hair loss. And I will say, with these three things, I've already seen major improvements in my hair. Like my hairline, my hair regrowth. Like I used to, I used to basically almost be bald in the front and now I have hair. So... I've never had a hair transplant. I never did anything like that. Um, but the longer that I've been on this, the more my hair keeps growing. It's more healthy. Like, it's just, it's just, I'm more me. And it works for me. Now, here's the thing. Everybody talks about, like, progesterone, which is known as, like, the pregnancy hormone. And they don't normally give it to trans people because, well, trans women, sorry, as part of the feminizing um, effects. But here's the thing. I believe that if I'm going to get the full effects of feminization, I should have the exact same hormones as a cis woman. So for me, I was reading a lot of research online about progesterone and, you know, when to start taking it and apparently it helps your breast develop even more um so with breast development there's five stages tanner one two three four and five i'm a tanner stage four it's very rare for a trans woman to even make it past stage three let alone get to stage five and i'm already at stage four and i've only been on hormone therapy for five years and if you think about um just regular girls, cis girls, for example, um, when they start puberty, it takes them multiple years to develop fully developed breasts. It's not like they just have, you know, they start their period and they have, you know, their hormones and their breasts are just like double D's tomorrow. Like it takes time for those to develop. And with trans women, it's the same thing. It's going to take time. So I recommend if you're going to ask your doctor to, you know, um, add progesterone to your regime, I added it at the three-year mark. So I added it in 2020. And I asked to be put on 200 milligrams of it a day. So I take two capsules a day. Now here's the thing. I was I did a lot of research on this. And um, there's this doctor out of the States that's very, very popular and very well known about hormone therapy. And he gives his uh, trans patients, 200 milligrams of progesterone a day, but he gets them to put it up their ass. 
So I know that might sound cringe, but before you go to bed, you should put it up your ass. And progesterone is going to help you sleep. So here's the thing. I was starting, obviously, I started off that way. Like when I first went on it, like I was putting it inside me. Um, and that was fine. I had no problems with that. But then I had issues with other shit. So I, and I also have long acrylic nails and stuff sometimes. So I'm at the point where I just, I don't really put it up my ass anymore. I just kind of like take it with my morning pills, like everything else. Now they say you should take progesterone at night because it does make you sleepy. But, um, I think my antidepressants were making way, me way more sleepier than this stuff because, when I was on all of this, um, I never really felt as tired as I did when I was on antidepressants. So that's what I'm on. I'm on 200 milligrams of progesterone a day, 100 milligrams of the estradiol patch, which is a twice a week patch, the spironolactone, 100 milligrams, and finasteride, 5 milligrams. And that's what works for me. That's um, my regime. Now, everybody's different. There's some people that they can't take it by patch or they can't take spironolactone. So they need a different type of blocker and that's perfectly fine. Um, but all of these have worked for me and I have been on hormones for five years. So, um, actually over five years, it would have been five years in December. So, um, yeah. And this is what works for me. I'm going to just take a quick break and then I'm going to come back and tell you guys all of the side effects and all of the changes that I've seen since. Okay, you guys, so we're going to talk about the changes that I've seen since hormone therapy. So for the first month or two of hormone therapy, I didn't see like drastic changes, but I did notice that my cum went clear, like completely clear. And it is still clear to this day. So it's going to be clear for the rest of my life. Um, I know people that have not been able to come or get hard, um, you know, from being on hormone therapy. I have been on hormone therapy for over five years and I can still get an erection and I can still come. I can still orgasm. Now, Here's the thing. If you're sitting there thinking, oh, like, okay, she's going to be able to shoot a huge load like I do, whatever. No, that's not how it works. Trans girls' bodies and cis men's bodies are not the same. So get it out of your head just because we have a dick. and We both have a dick that it, it works the exact same. And it's like, it does not work the exact same. It's different. Um, and I know people don't believe that. But trust me, from somebody who's lived it and I'm experiencing it, I've experienced both sides and trust me, it's different. Um, so the first thing I really noticed with my breast development was under my nipples, it started feeling like there was like a really hard marble and like my breasts were really sore and tender because they were starting to grow. And that, that occurred for like the first like six months. And then after that, I think like, I mean, there was times my breasts go through several different times where like they get like really achy or tender but like not sore to just like sit here and they're sore but like you know like if you like just rub my nipple like they might be like tender and sore and like whatever and sensitive and usually it's because they're going through something either like it's hormonal or they're going like through a growth spurt because when your breasts grow I mean it's like growing pains it happens so um that is one symptom, like that's one, I guess not symptom, but like that's one thing that I did notice. My hairline and my hair growth, I actually had a lot more hair grow and more hair develop, especially in my hairline, and it filled out um, naturally. So I've never had any surgeries to my body, let's just say that. So I never ever had any surgeries, you guys. So um, now... Another thing that I noticed is acne-wise, I don't really get acne that often. And that's because testosterone is a big driver in acne. So if you ever know any guy that, like, injects steroids, you'll notice he'll start to get acne on his, like, shoulders and his back and stuff. That's because of so much testosterone. 
testosterone produces more oil in your skin, which causes more bacteria to grow, which causes, if it gets trapped under there, acne. So when you're on feminizing hormones, like I am, I don't really have that super oil producing, you know, like guys are just like musky and stuff. And like, you don't get that. You don't get that like oily. Do I sweat and stuff? Obviously everybody sweats. But what I'm saying is like, it's not the type of thing that guys go through. It's not the same. Um, so I do notice my skin got softer, my hair got longer, my breasts growed. Um, I, I've gotten like more curvy, I guess you could say. Um, I have more, here's the thing, fat before versus fat now is like, my body doesn't feel like, um, muscular. It feels like, because your muscles atrophied on hormones. So men are just more naturally leaner than women. And that's because like, when I went on hormones, like I guess like my thighs and my ass and you know, my love handles and stuff, like it's all very like soft and like girly. And like, I love it. I feel more comfortable with my body. So this is exactly what I like. And I've never had a complaint from any men <laughs> um, about my body. So obviously they like it too, because this is what guys are attracted to. So um, those are also things that I noticed. Um, now, I know that some of you guys sent me questions. So I just want to see. Um, do they have any effects on people's mental health? Yes. So, um, being on hormone therapy does increase your chance of having like depression and mental health problems and stuff like that. Now it's not going to just automatically make you bipolar one day, but as, as for mental health, like a hundred percent, like it can cause, and I think progesterone specifically, um, the pregnancy hormone, um, I think it can cause, um, you to get more depressed and stuff. Now, do I think that my depression in 2020 was caused by hormone therapy? Absolutely not. Because if somebody came to me right today and said, hey, Kylie, uh, we're taking you off hormone therapy. We're not giving you any more prescriptions. I would go ape shit. I would have a mental breakdown. It would be worse for me to go off hormones than it would be for me to stay on hormones because I feel so much more in my own body and more comfortable with my body being on hormone therapy. So to me, if you're, you know, if you're trans and you want to medically transition, I, I don't know any trans person that I've ever met in my life that was like, no, 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 I can't go on hormones because I'm going to be depressed or I was depressed or I don't know anybody personally in my life that went through any of that. So most people are happier in hormone therapy than they are like sad. Now, can it cause like you to be more emotional and stuff? Obviously, like obviously, um, my emotions have changed from hormone therapy now. And the main thing is, is I find I don't like get like irate, angry and like rage or like yell or like stuff like that. Like if I do yell now, it's like, I have a serious reason to yell. Like I'm more calm, I guess. Like, I'm more... Like, I can still get angry, of course. But, like, I'm more... I don't know what the word is. Like, I guess, like, cunty. And more, like, girly bitchy. Like, I don't know. Like, you know, instead of thinking about punching somebody in the face, I might be like, okay, I just want to throw a glass on, a glass of beer in their face. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's... I don't know. It's just a different feeling. Like, you don't get that rage feeling. You get, like, more, like... I don't know, like, shoe fly, don't bother me, like, these guys are annoying feeling, like, I don't know how to explain it, it's hard to explain, but you get, I find I'm more calm on hormones, and I'm more, don't get me wrong, I have, like, roller coaster days where I'm really emotional and stuff, like, obviously hormonal, like, and I'm on the pregnancy hormone, which is progesterone, so, yeah, um, but overall, I, I prefer my, my mood and the way that I am on hormones than versus before. So someone asked, does it change your voice? Generally curious. Here's the thing. They told me that it wouldn't change my voice. And I wish I could play you guys a video of what my voice used to sound like before. Um, 
but it it doesn't my my voice a hundred percent changed, um, and they say that it doesn't. But I didn't have any voice surgeries. I didn't have any um, like anything done, like any vocal training, nothing like that. So I a hundred percent believe that it definitely changed my voice because my voice I have videos of my voice before, and yeah. It, we I don't even sound like the same person. I don't even look like the same person. Like the old me looks like my brother. Like it looks like a brother or something. Like it's crazy because all my photo IDs in the last like um you know like five four or five years whatever like they look like two two different people entirely. And when I went to go update my photo ID, like they were like in shock. The people at Service New Brunswick were in shock by the changes. So obviously I've had fillers done. Um, that's not, um, I want to say, I'm not going to say it's not natural, but I'm going to say it's not a part of hormone therapy. So, um, I've had lip injections, Botox, uh, cheek injections for like more defined cheekbones. I have had fillers in my chin. I haven't had a lot in my chin though. And here's the thing that I noticed about my face that wasn't from, wasn't from fillers is my face got more plump and rounder in the cheek area and in the chin area. And if I just look at old photos versus now, my my chin in old photos used to be very like square and boxy. And now it's more rounded. It's more rounded and it's more feminine. And yes, I had fillers in the tip of my chin, but I didn't have anything in my like bottom of my cheeks where like, you know, I've had them in my cheekbones up by like my temple, but I've never had anything in my actual cheek cheeks. So like, it's different. And um, my face is more rounded and like feminine and my features have been softened. Um, I have seen trans girls faces that haven't had fillers. Um, and their faces have still went through the same like rounding, like filling out in the cheek area, like more like um, plump and softer skin. Um, so yeah, um, voice doesn't change. Or sorry, they said told me my voice wasn't changed, but then there was that. And what's the next one? When taking hormone, does your dick get smaller or stop getting erect? So with me, yes, it got smaller, a hundred percent. So here's the thing with a dick: a dick is like a muscle. If you don't use it, you lose it. And um. A lot of guys don't even realize that because obviously they're fucking using it all the time. Um, <laughs> anyways, um, PTSD, you guys, I'm just thinking about what happened in my last podcast, but, um, yeah, so, um, it does get smaller, it does atrophy. And the reason it atrophies, I'll tell you why is because well, first of all, you don't really have testosterone, but the thing is, is your balls will atrophy too. They'll get smaller, um, because you're not producing testosterone. So your body's kind of like, oh, we don't really need to use this. So like, you know, let's shrink. It's going to like, let's put our energy somewhere else. That's what your body's like. So, um, with a penis, you know how like guys get like random erections? Well, that is actually their body's way of naturally keeping the muscle intact, I guess you could say, like keeping it, um, the way it should be. So then you don't, you don't lose your size, you know, you don't lose your muscle mass in that area, I guess you could say. So, um, when you're on hormone therapy, you don't get random erections. You don't get morning wood, which I love by the way. Like I, when I, whenever I, here's the thing, there has been a couple of times that I did wake up, um, with morning wood and stuff like over the years. Um, but usually it's when I wake up really late in the day and I didn't take my blockers or whatever in right in, when I usually take them in the morning or I'm just really horny. I mean, when I'm horny, like, obviously I'm going to get hard. Like that's just natural. But, um, generally I don't really, I don't ever really get random erections and I don't normally ever wake up with morning wood. Like in the last five years, I made him, I might've woken up with morning wood like two or three times. Like it's very uncommon. And I don't mind it. It doesn't bother me one bit. Um, it doesn't bother me that um, 
my girl dick kind of like has lost some size. Now, I wouldn't say I was like huge or anything before, but I wouldn't say I was like as small as I am now. And I'm not saying that I'm like super tiny, but here's the thing. I wouldn't care if I was like, it was as small as a clip because to me, it's more feminine to me. And it, it makes me feel better when a guy is like really big and mine is smaller. It makes me feel more feminine, more comfortable with my body. And I know guys, like even the guy that I was just seeing, he prefers trans girls that have smaller than him. And his was big. So, which makes sense. Because if mine was as big as his, I'd probably cry. And I know that there's guys that love trans girls with huge dicks. I, I, I know it's like a fetish thing. But, like, for me personally, like, I am lucky where I'm, like, a grower. I'm not a shower. So, when I'm small, I'm small. And then when I do get erect, like, then obviously you can tell. But my point is, is, like, because I'm a grower and not a shower, I actually have an easier time, like, wearing bikinis and, like, just wearing sundresses. And, like, I don't have to tuck. I don't have to tape anything back, you guys. Like, I can literally just put a thong on and go out in yoga pants and like you're not going to see this huge schlong between my legs because like I'm a grower not a shower and you know I don't get random erections so it's not going to really be a problem for me um I mean here's the thing when guys like trans girls anyways they like to see that between their legs so even if I did have like a big thing and I was a shower guys that like trans girls are going to like drool all over that it's going to be like a whole drool fest for them um, let me see what else questions I got, because I know we got some questions. Does the treatments get expensive? So I wouldn't really call them treatments as much as I would just, I would just call them, like, hormones. Um, it's just me buying hormones. Um, and here's the thing about the hormones, you guys. All of my hormones are bioidentical. That's an important thing to know when you get hormones. So the estradiol and the progesterone, which is the two female hormones are bioidentical, which means they are the exact type bioidentical. They are literally bioidentical to what a cis girl, a regular girl, would produce naturally by their body. And here's the thing. I'm not the only one that takes these hormones. Cis girls take estrogen and progesterone too, because sometimes when people are trying to, you know, become more fertile and um, have a kid, they are prescribed progesterone for infertility issues because it is a pregnancy hormone. Um, I do believe that once, since I started progesterone specifically, I think my body thinks that I, I'm trying to get it, give birth because it keeps making like my stomach and my love handles area gain weight. And I think it's thinking like, oh, we need to like protect this area because she's going to have a baby. And it's like, no, bitch, I'm not going to have a baby. You can stop adding pounds to my stomach. Please just put them to my tits and my ass and my thighs because um, I don't need it in my belly. But for the last two years, um, I've been getting weight more so in the stomach area um, than other places. Don't get me wrong. My breasts have definitely grown and stuff like that. But like I notice it more in my stomach area because of the progesterone, I believe. Now, um, I know my doctor told me that, um, my endocrinologist told me that when I went on progesterone, like, oh, there's no, there's no research to suggest that it's going to help your breast grow. But my breast went from a tanner stage three to a tanner stage four and in like I don't even know like it wouldn't even it would have been like half a year since I since I started progesterone but um they also said it was because I gained 23 pounds so they think it was just me gaining weight but who's to know that the progesterone wasn't the cause of me gaining that weight and obviously when you're you know, a girl and you're taking female hormones or you have female hormones, your body distributes your fat differently than a man's would. So obviously it's going to go to your hip, your ass, your thighs, you know, um, your love handles, your breasts, you know, your belly, stuff like that. Um, yeah. So how expensive are the treatments? Well, I actually, I can't remember all the prices, but I did get my estrogen for a year in June and for a whole year it cost me, I don't have, I didn't have coverage. So it cost me $515.32 for, um, for it for a year. Now I'm going to do the math here because I suck at math. 
but $515.32 divided by 12 months a year. So it's about $42 a month for estrogen. And to be honest, that's not really expensive. That's with no coverage. So if you have like health insurance, you're not even going to pay like that much. So um, out of all the medication I'm on, um, my hormones cost the least. I'm on PrEP, which has nothing to do with hormone therapy. And that's actually uh, $255 a month. And what PrEP does is it actually pr pr protects you from having, um, getting HIV. Now I'll, I'll dive deeper into PrEP on another episode because I've been on PrEP since 2018. So I would like to like dive really deep into it. But um, compared to hormones, hormones aren't really, even if you don't have coverage, they're not crazy expensive. Um, the most expensive things for like, I guess, like if you're going to transition, you want to medically transition is like, if you want to have like breast implants, like that's like 10 grand, basically like eight to 10 grand you're paying for breast implants. I've never had any surgeries. Um, fillers can cost anywhere from, you know, it's, I think it's $10 a pop for one injection of Botox and I usually get 50. So it's like 500 to $600 for Botox every four months. And then for my lips, it's $600 a syringe. For my cheeks and my chin, uh, again, it's $600 per syringe. Um, yeah, so, but I've never had any surgeries. So it depends on what you want to do. Just because you go on hormone therapy doesn't mean you need to have like fillers and Botox and everything else. It's it's really your choice. And you don't have to get breast implants. Like I, I went for so many consultations and nobody could really... Um, make me feel comfortable with what they wanted to do. Um, so yeah, let me go see. I believe I have more questions. Is there any different company brands that supply the hormones? If so, do they use different ingredients? Any ingredients that flat out just don't need to be in them? If so, how do these ingredients affect the body? Any adverse effects? Um, so that was a lot. So as for the brands, if you were going to do patches, I would recommend Estradot just because it's your, it's the smallest patch on the market and you're getting the same amount of, um, estrogen regardless of the size of the patch. And it's just so much easier to keep on your skin. Um, Spondylactone, I just get it from like the Tava brand, which is pretty, pretty generic. Same with, um... The progesterone, I do believe. I believe it's the Tava brand as well. Um, here's the thing with progesterone. There's progesterone and then there's progestin. You do not want progestin. Progestin is not bioidentical and progestin has been known to cause cancer. So you want progesterone. You want the one that is bioidentical. Progestin is a synthetic version of progesterone. It's not bioidentical and it's been known to cause cancer. So make sure um, if you're going to take progesterone, you either get um, actual progesterone or there's a brand name called, um, I think it's like Prometrium or something. Yeah, Prometrium. And um, those are actual progesterone. They're not progestin, which is different. It's a synthetic version of progesterone, and you don't want it because it can cause cancer. Um, and obviously, we don't want cancer. So um, what else was I going to talk about? Has it affect your sex drive? Possibly, positively, negatively. How is it different since starting HRT? Is it different? Um, yeah. So my sex drive is totally different. Um, before, like, I would get, like, crazy horny like crazy horny. And I understand why guys are always so horny because I went through that before hormones. But I mean, don't get me wrong. I love, I love guys that are crazy horny, obviously. But, um, me, I don't like being crazy horny myself. I like to be the one that, you know, isn't as horny and kind of like gets to, you know, drive guys crazy because it's fun. But, um, for me, I, let's, for example, I, I, I orgasmed last night. Okay. I had a client. I orgasmed last night. I don't need an orgasm. What's today? Like Monday. I don't need an orgasm all week. 
like it's it won't bother me none if I don't come at all this week even into next week like it's not gonna bug me I'm not gonna be like oh my goodness I'm super horny this and that like it's very rare that I get like that super horny feeling and when I do get horny I'm horny for like five ten minutes and then like if it if I stop thinking about being horny it kind of just goes away so with me like I like I like to a guy to get and like get me going so like I like it when a guy like grabs me you know is kissing me like feeling me up like that like activates my horniness that makes me horny that makes me erect like that will make me want to have sex I need that physical button push I need a guy to like you know just take control and like do his thing and like just start hitting on me because that is what will turn me on that will that will make me horny me just like walking around every day like not like I'm not I don't I don't think about sex I'm not horny I know that I have an online image like obviously I have a job to do you guys I have OnlyFans I felt like you know I have followers that follow me because they want to see me half naked on the internet yeah I get it I come off like I'm like this super horny sex thing sex symbol whatever but I'm not actually that horny all the time um but yeah, um, I will say um, that your risk for prostate cancer actually goes down when um, you're on hormone therapy because your prostate um, shrinks. So anybody who doesn't know this, the quote unquote male prostate, even though trans girls have them too, male prostate is inside your ass. Like you can you can hit it by inside your ass. And when you reach a certain age, guys are supposed to go get checked out and they're supposed to get their, you know, fingers rammed up there so doctors can make sure that it's all good. With me, I actually used to be able to come from getting, like, fucked before um, hormone therapy, but I haven't orgasmed from actually being penetrated since, like, 2020. And that doesn't bother me at all. The reasons being that I don't usually orgasm from that is because of the fact that my prostate has shrunken, so it's smaller, and most I'm super tight, so most guys don't last or they can't stay hard enough, and usually when it does happen, it's some guy who's got his fingers inside me and he's going like a jackhammer and he can hit the right spots. But here's the thing. I don't judge guys on being able to make me come while they fuck me. It's just like, I don't judge based on that. Like, you know, like sex is more than just orgasming and coming. Like it's the whole connection with a person, you know, being with them. So like, even though that's different now that I'm on hormones, it does not at all bother me. It doesn't bother me that I don't get random erections. Now, when I do come, like last night when I came, like, I got soft afterwards, and I stayed soft for the rest of, like, I think we had sex for, like, two or three hours, and, like, I I stayed soft the entire rest of the time. That, again, doesn't bother me. Um, for me, I prefer, since hormone therapy, I prefer to orgasm first before a guy fucks me, because I find it's easier for me to come before I get fucked, and then I prefer to get fucked afterwards. Um... Now, for me, um, I'm the type of person that once I orgasm, I can still keep playing. Like, it doesn't, I don't need to be, I don't need to be, like, hard or erect or whatever. I know there's a lot of guys that, like, once they come, they're like, okay, that's it. They're done. They put on their pants. They leave. Whatever. Like, to me, I'm definitely the type of person that can just, like, keep going. Like, I don't mind getting fucked. Like, to me, being penetrated and being fucked is, like, pleasurable on its own. It's, like, its own orgasm, its own feeling that feels good versus having to physically always come in the front. And here's the thing. When I did come um, from having sex and stuff, bef like, during the beginning of um, hormone therapy, it it's clear. So it used to come out a lot more than it does now. So now sometimes I'll come and nothing comes out. Sometimes I, I come and it's just a little, it's just a little like pool of like clear stuff. And, um, yeah, I, I did neither of it bothers me. Nothing, nothing bothers me by that. Like I have no problems with any of that. 
I only have problems when guys make me feel like, oh, like, that's it. That's all you came. Like, whatever. Like, somehow I'm, like, lesser than because my body is feminine and it doesn't work like a dude's does. And it's, like, my body is not the same as yours. Like, and most guys get their education on trans women and our bodies and sex with us through porn. And here's the thing with trans porn a lot of those girls go off hormones so they can get hard and they can come for the camera. You're never ever going to convince me to go off hormones. I could be told that I'm going to have cancer, I'm going to have blood clots and everything. I shouldn't go on, I shouldn't stay on hormones. And I would still say I want hormones. Until the day that I die, I'm going to stay on hormones. Now, I remember somebody was asking me questions about something to do with, um, is it something that you're going to have to be on for the rest of your life? Yes, I'm going to have to be on this for the rest of my life until the day I die. There's no way that I can get... Progesterone, I don't need to be. Um, usually, you're okay with um, going off your blocker if you have... Like, if you don't want the full-on bottom surgery, which, by the way, in Canada is covered for all trans women. It doesn't matter what province you're in. If you want bottom surgery... Um, you just have to be 18 years old. You have to be on hormones for at least a year. Um, and then you can apply to have bottom surgery. And it's only done in Montreal. And I have, or sorry, she was my friend. I had a friend who did, she's in her 50s. She went through it. I've seen her post-op vagina. I've seen it all. And she's very happy. She prefers to have her vagina and she can orgasm from it. Now, did they promise that you can orgasm from it every time? No, they can't make any promises. To me, I'm happy with my body right now. I don't feel like I need bottom surgery. Um, and I would never be with a guy whether he wanted me to only have bottom surgery or, or only keep my girl dick. Like if I want, I, all my exes were okay with me either or. Like, it didn't matter to them. They weren't with me just because I had a dick between my legs. Like, they were with me for me. So, that's the type of person that you want to find when you're going to be with. Um, not somebody that's going to cheat on you with multiple women and lie to you and tell you all this shit. Um, <laughs> but anyways. Um, so, yeah. Um, I forget where I was going with that point. But onward, somebody asked me stuff about, like, you know, at what age do you think it's appropriate for trans women, um, are, are trans people to start taking hormones and stuff. I know there was a lot of things talked about, like, should kids be on hormones and stuff like that. My personal opinion is that as long as you start hormones at the same time that you would normally naturally start them, there's nothing wrong with doing that. And I'll tell you why. Um, I personally didn't ever grow chest hair, didn't ever grow like back hair or anything. And here's the thing. If I would have started hormones before I had facial hair, I would never have grown facial hair. If you start when you naturally would have started your first puberty, then your results are going to be much more feminizing than if you start at like 30 or 40 or 50 and you've already had years of being done with your first puberty. I started at age 23. I'm 28. Um, I would have liked to start in high school if I could have personally, but um, I just wasn't at the place in my life to start. I didn't feel comfortable or safe doing that. And I didn't quite understand myself um, completely at that time frame. Like I didn't understand everything about who I was and, and I didn't really know anybody like me or like to talk to somebody like me. So it was really hard to like try to start. But nowadays there's people that know when they're young and like, you know, th there's so much more education out there. There's more of us um, in movies and television and, you know, on the cover of magazines or like writing books or whatever, like people like the Vern Cox, you know, even people don't want to admit it. Caitlyn Jenner, you know, with her Vanity Fair cover and stuff like that, that all really helped expose people to the fact that trans people are here. We are here. Now, do I believe that 
Caitlyn Jenner is the best trans icon there is. Absolutely not. Laverne Cox, and there's so many other more that are beautiful trans women that, you know, support trans women and don't vote for, like, people like Trump, and that's great. Um, The thing with the hormones when you're a kid is I believe that it's really up to the choice of the kid, their parents, and the doctor when do I think they should be started on it like when they're like on a five years old now but if they're going through um the, the age period where they would normally be on hormones um and that like that would be normally like when they start their natural um I guess it's called puberty or whatever yeah sorry I was I forgot the word I was gonna say period and I'm like that's not the word puberty um, if they're going through what would naturally be their puberty, their first puberty, that would be a perfectly fine time, in my opinion, to start hormones. Now, do I think that kids should just be like having surgeries and all this stuff? No. In Canada, I'm not aware of any children that have ever had like surgeries performed on them. And under my, the criteria for New Brunswick that I'm in, you have to be at least 18 years old to have, um, top surgery if you're a trans man and bottom surgery if you're a trans man or a trans woman. So you have to be at least 18. And to me, I still don't even think that's too young. What I think is too young is age of consent being 16 years old. Thinking that a 16-year-old can consent to having sex with somebody that's, you know, of any other age and doing like unspeakable things with somebody that would pry on a 16-year-old, like, to me, that's weird. Like, I don't think the age of consent for sexual stuff should even be until you're 18, 19, like, the same as, like, what it would be if you wanted to go into porn. Um, yeah, that's my personal opinion with that. But, um, yeah, so I, I, that's what I believe, and I don't think that there's anything wrong with kids wanting hormone therapy and stuff like that. I just don't believe that, um, kids really would need to have surgeries and stuff and here's the thing with hormone therapy I know that there's trans girls and stuff out there that don't even want to go on hormones like there's trans girls that I personally know that I went to high school with that aren't on hormones and I've discussed it with them and they just don't want to go on hormones and that's perfectly fine you don't have to go on hormones just because you're trans you're trans regardless if you go on hormones or not here's the thing hormone therapy isn't like automatically something that all trans people are going to want to do. It's something that helps with the gender dysphoria that we have on our bodies and ourself and our gender. Um, it helps us cope with who we are and it makes us more comfortable in our own bodies. And if you, if you need that and you want that, then that's perfectly fine. I personally wanted it. Now, do I want to rush out and get bottom surgery tomorrow? No, not really. I'm pretty much, I'm happy with my tits. I'm happy with my ass. I'm happy with my girl dick. I'm happy with it all. Um, I'm in my prime right now and I'm, and I'm enjoying it. And um, fuck anybody that doesn't appreciate me and any guy that doesn't appreciate me. And anybody that wants to look at me like I'm weird or whatever. Like, I know for a fact that, you know, there's trans girls, including myself, that are out there that were even hotter than some regular girls that were born girls. And here's the thing. A lot of cis girls are going to be, like, mad when I say this. But I think that they take for granted womanhood. They're born with vagina between their legs. And they're like, automatically, I'm a woman. I Like, no, nobody's going to be able to take this from me, whatever. And 100%, they're right. That no one's ever going to be able to take that womanhood from them. They are always going to be a woman. But when you have to fight to be seen for who you are, it's a different type of love and appreciation and respect for your womanhood. And I think that is something that trans women have that cis women probably would never understand. And I'm not just talking about like the right to vote or something. Like I'm actually talking about being seen for who you are, being seen and respected and being seen as a beautiful woman, you know, and a lot of, a lot of girls, like cis girls, they don't experience what it's being, what it's like being told you're not a woman, you're not who you are, you're not, you'll never be. And if they experience like that, I think that they would appreciate what they have more. 
and it's the same with men and trans men like you know like regular guys and then and then trans guys the same could be said like they just take it for granted it's just people take their gender and their their sex for granted and and that's completely fine a lot of people that's a natural human trait to do it's just um I find trans girls um a lot of us put in more effort and respect for fighting for our womanhood and I think at the end of the day guys that love trans women because there's so many guys that love trans women um they know that and they can see that and they respect well not all of them but some of them respect us more for it and um I think that's it I think that's where I'm gonna leave it at you guys um thank you for tuning in to another episode and I hope you guys all have a really great week um, I will just give you a little update since my last podcast. I have still been feeling really stressed out from everything, but I'm in my healing period. It's time for me to heal and move forward. I've gotten closure from the whole thing. I talked to him on the phone for over an hour and I'm moving forward. It's just, I need to heal. So that's where I'm at with all that. And um, that's it. I'll let you guys go. You guys have a great week.